This is your station, your music, the world famous WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Helmsley, the show where we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. Jordan Moment is here alongside me, and we have a lot we want to talk about today. Of course, we're going to open up with the greatest sports movie of all times, sequel, which we both saw over the weekend. We have a lot of thoughts on. Also, later on, about 4.20, I'll be playing an interview I did earlier this week with Sean Grandy, the radio voice of the Boston Celtics. We'll be talking with him about the Celtics, and Lord behold, actually more Rocky takes involved in that. Also, we want to dive in on the Patriots, maybe talk about the Dwight Howard situation a little bit. Also, an interesting piece of Red Sox news that I want to touch on at some point. So, if any of this is interesting to you, please don't do not be afraid to call in and talk to me at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787 or go on Facebook, go to the official Stadium Experience Facebook page and watch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream, which of course is genuinely the Mike Kane Memorial live stream right now with Mike Kane signing a step down from his position here at the station, which we're all very sad about, but nevertheless, the name becomes even more correct. Anyway, though, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, and with all that out of the way, we are going to dive right on in here, and hello, Jordan. Hello. How are you? Glad to have you back on the show. It's been a little while since you've been on the show. It's, it's, it's been a week. Were you on the show last week? No. There was not a show last week. There wasn't a show last week. Were you on the show the week before? No. Oh, so it's been a little while. It's been, it's been, it's been two weeks. And then, okay, yeah, it's been a while <laughs> then, Jordan. All right, it's been a while. You know, I know, I know, me and you don't talk much outside of this, so uh-huh. yeah, we we especially don't broadcast much together outside of this show. No, not at all. So obviously, when I don't when I don't see you here, I, I don't see you at all. Oof. I mean, so it's tough. It's lonely out there. It, it is without without Jordan moment, consistent part of the program. So it's lonely with me too. <laughs> I miss E Love. E Love's kind of MIA right now. Yeah, which is sad. Which is sad because I have a lot of a lot of Bengals things to talk about. The Bengals not having a uh, great couple of weeks. No, Bengals. Uh, they they signed Hugh Jackson, and now now everything's just gone gone to crap for them. And yeah. you see that the Bengals are actually like that. Their owner said they are considering Hugh Jackson as a coaching candidate in case <laughs> in case Marvin Lewis decides to step down. Like why cons- why would they they're do considering that? Hugh Jackson? Well, that's fun. So anyway, not to get onto a Bengals tangent, something much more important to talk about here. And Jordan, obviously you and I, yes, we saw this weekend. This weekend was it Saturday? Yes, it was Saturday. Yes, we saw Saturday. Me and you, we went down to the to the Providence Place Mall, TM, and we saw Creed 2, which obviously, you know, the week before Creed 2, me and you, we did a lot of talking about it. Me and you, I did a whole segment on it. You weren't there for that, actually. When, when I saw the first trailer, I did a little closest thing to a trailer react video you'll ever see me do. But yeah, nevertheless, we talked about it quite a bit and how it's obviously it's a sequel to the greatest sports movie of all time. Yes, we both Ro- agree. Rocky Forge, we've talked about at length on this program. Yes, we, me and you are big Rocky Four fans, and also later on in the show when I play my interview with Sean Grandy, we also talk about Rocky Four a bit, get his Rocky Four takes. Yeah, but obviously Rocky Four, greatest sports movie of all time. Yes, and indeed. The, you know, Creed 2, Rocky 8, as you know, I, I'm calling it as well, mm-hmm. was the spiritual successor to Creed 2. And, I mean, excuse me, the spiritual successor to Rocky 4. Obviously, it deals with Apollo Creed's son, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Facing off against um, the son of Ivan Drago. And, Victor Drago. Yes, Victor Drago, his son Victor, because he's a character in onto himself. Yes. It's important to note that. He has a lot more depth than his father did in Rocky 4. But then also, the movie 
thematically is when me and you both agree on this, so we're going to be raving about this for a little bit. It is thematically probably one of the strongest movies I've seen all year. Yeah. And you read the reviews. People are not picking up on this, I feel like. People do not like this movie as much as we did, Jordan. Actually, I haven't read any reviews of this I movie. I haven't. Everybody's like, it's pretty good. But Jordan, this film... This film was something else. And really, like, the movie, it, it mainly deals with the sins of both paternity and gripping with, multi, with generational nationalism and the ill effects it can have on your offspring. And you see that crystallized, Jordan. Feel free to jump in whenever you want. Yeah. Through the fact that, you know, Victor Drago and Creed, they're locked in this battle. They're both trying to really kill each other. Creed, Creed. Drago's been raised as a weapon his whole life by his father. He's been raised to do nothing but fight, do nothing to kill. He's been, he lives for, he's alive for no purpose other than to fight this fight. To fight to reclaim the honor of his father's name because, you know, they, you find out that after, and yet, spoilers, by the way. Mm-hmm. Spo- spoilers for Creed 2 coming in. But you find out that, you know, after he lost the fight, like, you know, Drago got cast aside by the Soviets. Now he just lives in Russia and him and his, I mean, they live in the Ukraine. And him and his dad just work at, like, the sad job factory. Yeah, they they, they work in some Some just cement, concrete, cement yeah. slab pallet store. And that's just all they do. And, but the movie looks at that and you see, once again, that, you know, Ivan Drago, as a result of his nationalism, as a result of clinging to the ideals of his nation and being a warrior for that nation that he's been cast aside and that he has nothing now and that, you know, but he's trying to imprint that same fight and force his son to go through that same fight. But then you also see at the same time, Michael B. Jordan, who's never met his dad, yeah. who's never met Apollo Creed, to my knowledge, right? Never meets him in Creed. No. He's still being sucked into a fight for his father into a fight on behalf of the United States, really, for the honor of his nation, for the honor of his father that he's never seen, his father that he deifies. Because one thing, he's never met the father, but he's willing to die for him. He's willing to go into a fight knowing full well that he could get seriously injured and he still goes in. Which, which uh, and he, do- he does. But you see that. And then even <laughs> then also, though, really the most interesting part about the movie, I think, is the, is the ideological battle that's waged between Rocky and Ivan Drago, who they have a few scenes interacting with, and they never even raise their voice at each other. No. That's a very important thing to know. Like, they never even get mad at each other. They never, you know, they never yell at each other. They never, like, can even get close to fighting. They're very calm when they talk, but you see these two wills are clashing. But really, they don't even realize, though, for a lot of movies, that they're the same. Both of them are relics of the Cold War. They're from opposite sides, but they both suffered the same fate as a result <laughs> yeah but no rocky and drago both of them they went at each other they beat each other up and yeah rocky won and he was draped in the american flag and he was hailed as a hero but also just like drago he's really been cast aside by his country you know i mean mm-hmm. you know rocky 5 he goes broke the country doesn't do anything to save him then yeah. you know by rocky balboa he's kind of you know recovered now he runs his little restaurant but still and there's scenes in the movie where he's even he's complaining that the city won't come down and fix the light in front of out, his house outside his house he's been trying to get it fixed for years because the state doesn't care about him anymore so which he, which 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 is which is a metaphor because his life is. faded long ago it is no one is in his fight he can't the state won't take care of him the state won't care for Rocky anymore, even though he was a warrior for them. He had things broken for them. He suffered brain damage over them, over waging this fight on behalf of the country, on behalf of the Cold War. And then you even see when Victor 
He's doing Victor when Ivan is in his restaurant. Rocky doesn't, he, and Rocky's aware of this. When he's in there, in his restaurant, and, you know, and he walks in and Ivan is sitting there. From the only scene from the back, he's gray, he's slouched over, he looks like a phantom. Yeah. He's a ghost of the past, and he walks in, and they're talking about the pictures, the on, pictures his on his wall, and he's bringing it up because Rocky has pictures all from his boxing career. Yeah. And he goes, oh, these are good, these, these are good pictures. He said, and but there's none of me. No, no, say- no, and then Rocky just says, no, but not even the thing about Drago yeah. driving out. From Rocky's perspective, he goes, these are, these are good pictures, and he looks at me and he goes, they're okay. They're okay pictures. His memories are just okay. Because he knows that he's a ghost. And he just exists. And it takes a long time because Drago's gripping with this as well. Because he still feels responsible for his nation casting him aside. You know, because he sees it when, they, when, they, when they're kind of back on top after, you know, his son fights Creed the first time and, you know, beats the hell out of him. They're at the embassy or at, like, some dignity's house. I don't know. But then his wife, well, his former wife, his son's mother is there because now she's married to, like, the Russian ambassador. Yeah, some Russian autocrat guy. And Victor realizes what they're doing, and he leaves. He's like, they left you, father. Why do you you still want them? Like, why do you want them in your life? It's all in Russian. But why do you want them in your life? And he just yells at him like, I lost. Like, he's internalized that conflict. He feels like a failure. Yep. Even though he trained his whole life, he gave his life over to the state. He let them inject him with all their weird Cold War workout science. And he's in turn, and it takes him to the very end of the movie when his wife shows up. Once again, like the fight is like some of like the best fight, like storytelling through fight choreography I've seen in a movie in ages. Like the way that they tell stories through the final fight is immaculate. Yeah. Like it's immaculate. Like how much you communicate because throughout the you know, once again, like, Creed's irate. He wants to fight this guy. Yeah, but it's not even like he's fighting Ivan Drago. He's fighting his kid. His kid who's been raised as a weapon. His kid who has nothing to do with the death of his father. Once again, his father, he doesn't even know. Yeah. But just because of just, once again, the sins of paternity, this hate, this fight getting passed down to him. Now, suddenly, these two men, they're basically trying to kill each other in the ring. Over Once again, over ideologies that crumbled. An ideological war that ended far before they were even, you know, cognizant of it. I don't know what year Michael B. Jordan was born, but maybe he was born, like, at the very end of the Cold War. But uh, either way, neither of these two men were really alive for it. And they're still fighting over it, over the embers of this battle that's over. That's really, that's over in a lot of ways. And once again, they've just inherited that from the father. They've inherited that from, from, I guess, just from masculinity itself. And they're stuck with that, and the fight, and then, you know, his mother shows up. I, I, Victor's mother shows up to the fight, but then she's watching it beat up, and she kind of realizes what, you know, her own actions have caused her leaving her son, that he's been molded into a weapon, that's all he knows. He's just this savage animal now, and it's all her fault. And she leaves at near the end of the fight, and then that crushes him, and that crushes Ivan, and they realize that they've been doing this over nothing. Yeah. And that these people are never going to come back to them. Yeah. And that they're never going to love them. And they realize that all they have is each other. And then you yeah, kind of... Yeah, that, that, last, that last scene was phenomenal. Just, then, just, just, just his face. I know, the acting. And then you see that Michael B. Jordan, like Creed, he realizes yeah. it too in that very moment. Like, <laughs> he realizes that, you know, we're the same. Yeah. Like, we've been going through the same fight. We're fighting a fight that has nothing to do with us. Yeah. To get the love of people that are either dead, like my father, or that 
are long since gone, like your mother, and you see like both their expressions, they change, and yeah. neither of them want to be there anymore, but they keep <laughs> fighting because they have to. And, just and, being... and also, also his, his ribs were broken. It's true, <laughs> yes, and his rib is broken, and these two men are just fighting, but they, they neither of them wanted to be there at that point. Yeah. And oh my god, and Drago, and you know, Ivan has to, you know, Dolph Lundgren has to try to wrap his head around, you know, what do I do now? This is new. Like, now I feel, you know, my son is more and that I shouldn't be using him like this because weaponizing him hasn't gotten me what I wanted and just, oh, my God, the movie just makes you think, man. Me and you were both sitting there just, just, just in awe. Yeah, it was, it was a really phenomenal movie. It's just like a lot of just generational inheritance, 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 what's in, the word? Inheritance. Inheritance. Is, in, is there, is there a? Plural of that word, inheritance. Inheritances, the things that they've yeah. inherited. Yeah, the things they inherited just throughout generations. And it makes you wonder, like what, yeah. like what, like battles are we fighting that we have <laughs> nothing to do with? That we're just fighting over nothing at this point, Jordan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just the just the whole concept of the way the movie handles parenthood, and how everyone in that movie has to deal with this, like you know, this this parent sibling relationship, and it just sort of wraps around itself, and it. And you find out all the characters are like learning the same lessons. Yes, and at the same time, time Rocky through, through different through, ways and yes, very uniquely. Yes, and Rocky through the whole movie, he's gripping with the fact that he hasn't talked with his son in years, and it takes him till the very end of the movie to be like, "I should go talk to my son." Yeah. And they talk to his son, and then his son has a son, and yeah. he comments that his son looks like Adrian yeah. because maybe his son won't have to fight because he's inherited the spirit of the mother instead. But then also, the movie is not necessarily kind to maternity either. No. The movie acknowledges that there are also sins that you can inherit from maternity. And you have that in the way that, you know, Creed's mother never really tries to stop him. And in yeah. the end, she's still there at the fight. She still wants him to win the fight. She just still doesn't... She's fine with him fighting as long as he's winning. And that's not necessarily right either. Because there's still a conflict that doesn't need to be happening. These two men don't have to be fighting. But they are. And even, like, you know, Creed as a kid... During the movie, and she inherits, you know, deafness from her mother, which I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying anything wrong being deaf, yeah. but just like from a metaphorical perspective, like you know, you still have inherited an ill from the mother. Yeah, and, that these, and they make and they make and they go out of their way though to have like the doctors say like it can be passed down from the mother, because you can also inherit ills from the mother, and it's just like there's a lot going on in Creed too. So go see it. You know, we just spoiled the entire movie, but go see it. It's a great film. Yeah, it was it was, it was pretty good. I didn't it didn't I did not expect it to be that. No, good. I was mad. Yeah, me and you were very upset sitting there. Like, now I mean, we, I, I mean, I was kind of upset. You you were really upset. I was not like looking to be like emotionally impacted by Rocky Eight in the way <laughs> I was. I was honestly not. Yeah, like I was expecting to see Dolph Lundgren. I didn't expect to really see into Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, you know, we we saw who Ivan Drago is. Like we saw his inner turmoil. Yeah. Which he was, they made him more than just a dragon. Because in Rocky Four, he's just a dragon. Yeah. That has to be slain by the, you know, and just the way it juxtaposes, once again, the way it juxtaposes nationalism when you compare it with Rocky Four, obviously it's, cold, it's at the height of the Cold War. It's painted like Rocky is the ideological hero for fighting for America. Yeah. And then this, you look at it and you go, no, that's just propaganda. <laughs> he said, nope, they're both in the, literally the same, same place. They are. And they, you know, he fought, it just, he fought just so that way his, his best friend's son could just be fighting again. Once again, over nothing. Yeah. So. <laughs> over history. 
It's true. Over history that neither of them are a part Fair of. <laughs> yeah. Jordan. Like, that history that neither of them are a part of. Oh, God. You know, it just, I could talk about this movie for hours. Yeah. Literally for hours, Jordan. But do you have any other thoughts on that? It was a fantastic film. Sylvester Stallone, apparently, probably he's one of the most underrated screen <laughs> underrated screenwriters in history. So I hope it gets nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I hope I hope it gets an Academy Award because that yeah. was that was a film. Everything and, everything about that movie was well. The the, you know, the the screenplay and also at the same time, like that movie could have worked perfectly yeah. without any fighting. And that movie also could have worked if you would just had the fights. If you just had the fights, it was enough enough conveyed and just the fights to. Yeah. Cinematography, the acting, oh. everything was just was just beautiful. Oh man, Michael B. Jordan can do no wrong these days. Yeah. So that those are those are our closing thoughts on Rocky, on Rocky Eight, on Creed Two. So go see it, please go see it. But anyway, though, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Helmsley on ninety point seven WXIN Jordan Moment here alongside me. We can take a quick break here. Then when we come back, I'm going to be playing you guys a conversation I had with the radio voice of the Boston Celtics, Sean Grandy. We had this conversation Monday, so we recorded it right before the Pelicans game, but it's okay. Still very relevant, still very relevant stuff, even with their win. So, I, you know, have fun. Listen to that. It was good. Very thankful for him to come in, and you'll hear that. And I'll see you guys back here in the present in a bit. So, once again, if you want to chime in on anything we've been talking about, anything we're going to be talking about, please call in 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787. And I will see you guys in just a bit. WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. Coming to you from the past. According to segment on here here on Monday. Getting ready to air on Wednesday. And we have a guest here joining us to talk a little bit of Celtics here. And welcome to the show is going to be the radio voice of the Boston Celtics. Welcome to the show, Mr. Sean Grandian. How are you today? I'm hanging in. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for joining us here today. Hey, I mean, what else would you do in New Orleans? Just hang out on a game day. <laughs> I mean, bags, out of clothes, end of the trip. Well, hey, I mean, New Orleans is one of my favorite cities, so I hope you have a little bit of fun there at some point. I love New Orleans. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, I've, I've done it for a Patriots game. I've done it for a couple of things. I've never, I think it's a fascinating city. It's a great stop on the tour. Uh, I'm not, I think people come down here and treat it like spring break and then, and then leave. So sometimes it can be, uh, it's not the most pleasant place to be downtown. That's fair. People that come from other places, not the people that live here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a smaller NBA market, too. It's, uh, um, you know, whether they can support the team or not, it's always sort of interesting. But The Smoothie King yeah, Center. Point. Yeah. This, which is one of my favorite names for any NBA stadium. But, I mean, basically, I mean, just calling you, obviously, to talk some Celtics, and obviously the Celtics are... They're not doing great right now, staying at 10-10. and 10. They've lost four of their last five. Obviously, once again, this is airing on Wednesday, so we'll see what happens with the Pelicans game. But either way, I mean, just, I guess, just to start, I mean, what is the, I guess, where do the issues start for this team? Because there one. I think there are, I don't think there is one. I think there's a lot of them, and that's everybody just wants there to be one. <laughs> Mike Green texted me uh, the other day, and he's like, what's going on? What's the, what? and I'm like, I can't do this in a text, dude. It's like. It's more complicated than that. There's a lot of little things, 
adding up. I think it's very frustrating. I think it's frustrating internally. It's frustrating externally when you consider that it's not like you turn the whole team over. It's largely the same team that you had last year, but they almost seem to have a completely different personality to them. And there is, again, there's no one thing. Obviously, trying to get Gordon Hayward, you're going to have to deal with this period of time with Gordon Hayward's not Gordon Hayward. And if I think at, in the end, him to become Gordon Hayward again, he has to play now. And that comes in a price. I think that is one. Number two, they sort of define rules and he's getting overplayed. I think it's more about the combination of players. Um, I think you see the difference between one of the Celtics is playing extremely well and being himself and, and giving you what he gives you with Marcus Smart. I don't think it's, I think it's a human nature. When one got their contract and the other didn't, and that's the nature of it. As a young player, you've got to fight through it. And I, I think what Terry doesn't realize is, you know, be a star in the 20 minutes you're playing, and there will be no shortage of teams with big money offers for you when it's over. But if it doesn't go well for him here and he doesn't turn it around, then he, that's what hurts his value, not him playing 22 minutes instead of, instead of 28. Uh, Aaron Baines, who was a big part of last year, hasn't played as much. You know, I mean, jump in and stop me anytime, and uh, these are just one after the other after the other. And I think the one that's gotten overplayed or underplayed a lot is, and I think it goes away over these last few games because mm-hmm. they really played poorly, particularly against New York, is that the schedule at the start was, was pretty tough. Right. And if you retrace your steps, and I think that's what brought more attention to it than there should have been. If you have a – the first 20 games have been an easier schedule. Celtics like have a better record, and people aren't paying as much attention. But – Look at the first two games of that trip. If you if Oladipo doesn't hit that crazy shot mm-hmm. where he runs up the floor and hits the three, and you don't blow an 18 point lead in the next game at Denver, you started eight and two. Right, right. And nobody's really paying. You know, the the the, ex, the external stuff isn't there as much. So I think people are overreacting, but I think there's legitimate problems here, and I don't think we're that far away from. You know what? This isn't working as constituted. Right, and. I do think that at least the solution to the issue is it starts with Coach Stevens because obviously this is this is the first year he's had a team that's really had this much this much talent. Obviously, this many players who now kind of have a who might players who might have a feeling that they are owed something or players who have the right to feel something. I mean, you have two, three All Stars in Hayward, Irving, and Horford. Hayward obviously coming back, but still Hayward, you know, is a guy who's used to leading his own team. You have Tatum and Brown who've spent you know the better part of the offseason, you know, being hyped up. Tatum, obviously, basically people putting him in the Hall of Fame. And, I mean, this is a different type of team, different makeup, even if it's a lot of the same personnel than Stevens has had in the past, where teams have mainly been, you know, guys who are almost everybody in the team is outperforming who they've been in the past. But now he, I mean, he has guys. And I guess what does he have to do to kind of rein that in and coach a team like this? I mean, this is the level of talent you need to win a championship in the NBA. So... I don't, I think that you're what you're asking is a lot of people to sort of go outside of their own personality and who are the grab you by the collar, you know, rah rah, let's go, let's get at it, get in your face, guys. And I think the Celtics have a couple of those guys, but it's you know it's Marcus Smart and, and Marcus Morris, and can you really do that from a bench role? That's not Brad's personality. And if you think about the starting five for the Celtics, highly highly skilled group, but it's not. It's a far more cerebral and docile, you know, personality-wise group. So there isn't that, you know, I thought it was really interesting to hear Kyrie talk about, well, you know, it'd be good if we had another veteran in here. and another. Well, dude, that's, that's kind of your dick. Mm-hmm. I know you don't want it, but that's your, you know, what, you, what somebody has to do here. That said, 
you know, a couple of wins here. To me, it's far more about the basketball. I think that stuff gets overplayed. Right. Chemistry gets overplayed. Who's going to fit together? And the fact that we, we never saw last year is what would happen if you had had Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward largely playing the same position. The more you are dependent on Aaron Baines to play, because you got to play Baines and you got to play Horford and you got to play Kyrie. So all of a sudden you've got, you know, three guys for those other two spots. And, you know, and Terry Rozier and all this. So how are those guys going to play together when they play is is really the question to me. Right. And you talk about the lineup, and a, lot, and a lot of people have made it about, well, if you change around the starting lineup, X, Y, and Z, you know, maybe that's the solution. And I agree with you. I think that's overplayed. I mean, I don't think it's just a matter of, oh, well, if you put, like, if you put Morris in the starting lineup over Hayward or over Blount, you run into the same problems. I mean, you still have three forwards out there trying to get really play out of the same area. So, I mean... Is there anything to that, though? Is there anything about the lineup shifting that you think could at least in the short term rectify this team, or do they just have to kind of figure out how to gel together? Because I think that the starting lineup now is a lineup that they need in the end. Yeah, I think it's, it's first of all, it's who finishes and who starts. It's the combination of guys. You know, it's like Marcus Morris and Gordon Hayward kind of fit together pretty well. That lineup has had success. You know, who's on the other side? If you have, you know, Nurkic or Anthony Davis or uh, Cantor or whatever – you're going to have to have Aaron Baines. You know, Aaron Baines, like Al Horst, you're not, it's not fair to ask Al Horst to do all the different things he's doing and then also guard the 280-pound guy. And I think Al Horford, I've heard some whispers now, Al Horford isn't looking the way he used to. No, what's happening is the balls are getting beat clean at the start of the pick and roll, and Al's the guy that looks bad because, it, you know, that, that's what happens. It's, it's team defense. So, you know, you start, re, start retracing. Let's look back at it. It was one thing when it was, hey, right? Jamal Murray is a great – Oladipo's a great player. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Jamal Murray, right, he's a highly skilled player. He has his career now. Okay, fine. But then when you start adding Trey Burke mm-hmm. and Ricky Rubio and J.J. Barrell on this list, okay, this is no longer a coincidence. This is about the initial point of attack and, you know, being better defensively at that, at that spot. Well, and you bring that up, and it's something you brought up on Twitter as well, but, I mean – in defense of this team almost, it kind of feels like for years the Celtics routinely seem to fall victim to just some kind of backup guard, some kind of backup swing man. Always feels like during these regular season games, always just some random guy who finds a way to have his career night against the Celtics. And is that in some way almost a credit to the starting defense maybe that these teams, that their actual good players can't get going and then it comes down to a guy like J.J. Barea? Well, a lot of it is who are you, who are you taking out. You can't take everybody out. You know, tonight you want to limit the damage against the Beavers, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're better off against Pelicans having Anthony Davis score 50. If you can stop Drew Holiday from scoring, if you can stop Joey Randall from scoring, every team is different. But a lot of it has to do with what you're choosing to take away. Mm-hmm. But eventually, one after the other after the other, it's, you know, it becomes no longer a coincidence. And the Celtics are hanging their hat on the, the defensive rating and the defensive numbers, and they are second in the NBA. The problem is, They've been pretty ordinary in November. I think they're like tenth in the month of November. They were so good in October, and they had that that six and two start. They were so they were lapping the field defensively. They were so good, and you sort of trade on those numbers for a while. You know, it takes a while to to catch up. But defensively, they have not been good, and that's the calling card. And then that's what it has to be. And you know, and, and until you figure it out, there's a lot of angst about Toronto and Milwaukee. You know what? Everyone's gonna have to let that go because. Celtics are not playing Toronto and Milwaukee right now. They're playing with them. They're, they're dealing with what they have to deal with mm-hmm. individually. And if they get it turned around, then maybe they can start chasing and making up some of that ground. But Toronto and Milwaukee are in a different world right now. 
Yeah, and you bring up the team defense and one and defense ratings they haven't very high, but one thing that I saw really that Chris Forsberg tweeted out the other day. And I think I actually saw this on your timeline, but the fact that the Celtics, their defense has been slipping in the second half routinely all year. They're rated like first in the first quarter, sixth in the second, then 11th and 10th in the third and fourth quarter. And yeah. just what is making this team kind of apparently not really fall apart because they're still in the top 10, but certainly not play nearly as strong in the second half? Well, I think there have been just lapses in games. I think probably the most discouraging and the most encouraging thing at the same time is the fact that the Celtics have been wildly inconsistent. Because if they were 10 and 10, and they had been pretty ordinary throughout the 20 games, right. you'd say, man, I would be more concerned about that. The fact that I go back to 2010, I was talking to Brad about this off on the plane yesterday, that the Celtics in 2010, they, they did the opposite of this. They had a really good start, and then they could not have been more ordinary and at times terrible for the final two-thirds of the year. But they knew they had the ability to do it. We don't know yet mm-hmm. how good this team can be, except for little patches of games. What do we make of the fact they've played their best games? Right now, the two best teams in the NBA, statistically, are Toronto and Milwaukee. You take the three games the Celtics played against Toronto and Milwaukee, and they're certainly top five, maybe all top three of the games they have played mm-hmm. through the first 20. So yep. what do we make of the fact they played better against the good teams what do we make of the fact that at times they look great and at times they look terrible? You would rather have that right. than a team that was just ordinary all the time because it means they have that level to go to. The question is, the, the multi-million dollar question right now is, why are they taking possessions off? What is going on in these long matches? Even Atlanta, they're so much better than Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They went five or six minutes without scoring mm-hmm. Friday night. Just, but the lead only went from 29 to 22 because Atlanta just isn't any good. Right. So there's a lot of stuff to figure out. I just, to me... The only thing that I tweeted I thought was interesting that I kind of stumbled on at 4 a.m. after the Dallas game was the fact that each of the last two years, the Celtics have had a stretch in which they went 10-10 and 10, yep. and actually against a worse schedule than they played mm-hmm. with a scoring differential even smaller than the one they have now. Mm-hmm. So they've had 20-game stretches in each of the last two years that were significantly worse than the one they were in now, and both those years they obviously went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Just This happens to come with expectations and be right out of the game. Right. Now, something I wanted to ask you about is that is that kind of, and I know you're right, they have played their best games against the best teams. Is that just almost sort of a reality of the NBA in 2018 that a lot of these teams, these star-laden teams, not saying that they're lazy, but they know they're going to be there at the end. Do Sometimes these teams, they kind of, they don't get up for the bad team somewhere. Sometimes you saw, you know, the heat when LeBron was there. You see the Warriors sometimes, they lapse against bad teams because really, it's not as important to those teams. Is that what's happening with the Celtics, or do the problems go deeper than that? I don't know. I don't think we're going to know that for another 10, 15, 20 games. I'll say this. If the Celtics aren't significantly, and by that I mean six, seven, eight games over 500 by Christmas, then I think it's time to, you know, at some point, it's not yet, but we're not far from it now, where you are and what you are. And I think the schedule thing, to me, was very legitimate mm-hmm. until Wednesday night. Uh-huh. And Wednesday night against New York, last week was the night that all the alibis and the fans' patience both mm-hmm. kind of went away. And that was, at, at that point, it became a real thing to me. Yeah, the bad game against Utah, second night of a back-to-back, uh, okay. Even Dallas, you know, Charlotte, I thought they played well at Charlotte, I'll take that. The Dallas game was kind of, uh, I can't really figure it out because you don't know yet how good Dallas is. Mm-hmm. Dallas had three days off and the Celtics were on the second night of a back-to-back. So there's always a reason within every game, and that's sort of the problem. There's been reasons. The schedule right. is this. 
team is that? This guy's out. So, but clearly there is something wrong. And the question is, at what point? You know, we talked about 20 games being a kind of a marker about sample size. Well, it's 20 games, and now you know this is a the Monday night in New Orleans. That's a pretty tough one on paper because New Orleans is a 500 Western Conference team. But after that, you know, I see a lot of. New York and Chicago and Cleveland, you know, there's not Minnesota back-to-back that's tough, but uh, this is the time. Between now and Christmas, if the Celtics don't start winning games, I think then it's uh, all of the complaints, all the talk show stuff that started a month ago, mm-hmm. I think starts to become legitimate. Well, I mean, say you get to that say you get to that point, I mean, you get there and you're at 500, you're one game above 500. I mean, what do you see happening? Do you see, see the team trying to make some kind of changes, make some kind of move, or just move around the lineup, or do you see any – you know, mark changes happening because obviously this, this was a team that came in with, at least from my perspective, with the expectations of at least being competitive in a final series. Uh, the, the By answering your question with a question, I'm saying, have you has there ever been a time that Danny Ainge has not had his finger on the trigger, whether it seems needed or not? That's the answer to that question. So uh, nothing, nothing surprises me with Danny mm-hmm. in charge. Absolutely nothing. All right, well, that's fair enough. And I guess just one more thing I'll ask you about. You tweeted and you had a little... You kind of had a little, little bit of a. You tweeted at because we're t- tweeted at Mark Stein about his about his Rocky movie power rankings, and it's <laughs> funny. I saw that because we at least you know, once again, once again, we're here in the past. We're here on Monday recording this, but I we planned on the show about talking about Creed two in the first segment, which was a phenomenal movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was absolutely outstanding. Made me cry a little bit. Made me and my co-host, who's also going to be here at one point, but I mean just. Yeah, what do you say? What are your what are your Rocky power rankings? Because we are we are a Rocky well, Four uh, program here. I, I give so here's the thing. If you put that, at, I guess you put three and four at the top of the list. So I, three I and think two. putting four. Did he, did he put three and two? Okay, but he had four really high on the list. Number three. Thought, he did a game with me. I was with him Saturday, so I got to do a lot of it on the air uh, in Dallas because he's from Dallas. So we you know we had some fun with it on the air. I think that's sort of listen. I think Rocky Four was formative to all of us. But let's face it, Rocky Four is a music video. A series of music videos. It's not a movie. At one point, there's literally two music montages. I'm really going. This is a this is a deep dive. Like go back and watch it, and you'll see there is a long five six minute music video montage. Oh, no. And then there is a dial. Then there's a dialogue exchange between Rocky and Adrian, who has come all the way to Russia, which looks suspiciously like Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He's come all the way out there to see him, and they talk for about ten seconds. There's about two lines of dialogue, and then there's another eight minute. You know, music. I mean, it's almost like, well, what do we have here? We're in dialogue. Well, we've got about a 31 minute movie. All right, well, let's just, you know, let's get some songs done and do some sit ups and climb them out in crunches, and we're good. It's <laughs> the greatest montage also, movie of all time. And then he put his list did not have five at the bottom, which to me, that's automatic no credibility to begin with. And yeah, he put true. six. Yeah. He put Rocky Balboa at the bottom, which. In and of itself, which I thought was a you know a perfectly good film, I think tied up a lot of things we didn't want to see in five. Plus, my fiance has a cameo in Rocky Six, so I really? thought he was deliberately going. He was deliberately going at me by doing that. So I you know really I had to take some. Oh wait, what was your fiance doing in Rocky in Rocky Balboa? Well, she was a she was a sports center anchor back then in, ah. uh, in two thousand in two thousand six. She hosted uh, First Take and all that, but she was in the I think I guess Linda Linda Cohn is in the new one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Dana um, was in. Dana's in. Uh, Dana's in Rocky Six. So Max Kellerman is absolutely like one of the main characters of Creed Two. Has at least like twenty minutes of like 
talking in that movie. It's it's pretty incredible. That's one of my favorite lines in Rocky Balboa is when he walks in and Max, it almost seemed like a non-scripted line where Max, Max says, man, my whole life I've been watching Rocky Balboa fights and now I get to call one, which I thought was a really cool, <laughs> that was a cool ride. I don't know if he had lived it or not, but it was, a, you know, I think that's kind of what we all, what we all felt. But yes, absolutely, absolutely go see Creed 2. Oh my God. Absolutely. Like, ab- my my I'm writing an article on it this week. I don't care. I'm, I'm all about that movie right now. But anyway, unless you have any closing thoughts, it's been really nice talking to you, Sean. I'm really my only closing thought is I'm just I'm pretty excited to see Dolph Lundgren and, and Stallone in the same shot. Like that's all I want to oh, see. That oh, to me is the payoff of the movie. Dolph Lundgren is absolutely yeah. like the best actor in that movie. It's incredible. It's inc- it's like yeah, a, it's, it's, I mean that's that's all that's all I needed here. It's incredible what he does with. It's incredible what he does with Ivan Drago. Like he makes him like a like a man. He makes him a character. He makes him human. Well, Drago kind of steals the you know. Oh, he steals. Drago the movie. Steals, You wanted to know more about Drago. You wanted to know what happened to Drago after. Oh, you find after out after the fourth movie. You find out. You find it all out. Let me tell you, it's it's an emotional ride. It is absolutely- a few years ago. Years ago, I went to I'm insane. It was a, technically a vacation. I went to the Memorial Cup, uh, which is the Canadian Junior Hockey big event in Canada every year, and it was in Vancouver, which is one of my favorite cities in the world. And I went to the Pacific Coliseum. They didn't have a GM place. It was at the Pacific Coliseum where they had the Memorial Cup. And two of my all-time favorite sporting events from my childhood were there. And I texted my guy, I texted Bill Simmons. I said, name my two favorite sporting events. I texted him from there. I said, my two favorite sporting events took place in this building. What were they? And one was the 94 Stanley Cup Finals, which the Rangers eventually won in seven games. But the other one was the Rocky Drago fight was filmed at the Pacific Coliseum <laughs> in Vancouver. Where in Russia, in Russia, yes. Sacred, yeah, sacred ground. Yes, sacred. quote-unquote Russia, yeah. Yes, quote-unquote Russia. Well, that's, you see? you see? You see, I'm telling you, greatest sports movie of all time, Rocky IV. I'm glad. I didn't realize you have this many Rocky takes. This is great. <laughs> you never whole... know what you're going to get when you when you pick up the phone, right? Yeah, you, know, you never know. No, you're right. You're right. I got to get more guests. I got to bring out more guests to the show. <laughs> got to... That's what I got you. Tell your friends, Sean. Get everybody. Get everybody. Well, indeed. You can come talk about anything you want here on the stadium experience. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Sean. You got it. You're welcome anytime. All right. We were just talking to Sean Grandy, radio voice of the Boston Celtics, full of Rocky takes, which is great, which is absolutely great. And anyway, so back to future Jake at the end of these messages. We'll be back. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXI. When we come back, we'll be talking about whatever we didn't talk about in the first segment. And I will see you then. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. Jordan Moment here alongside me. We're back from the past. Monday, Jake uh, gave us that little interview there with Sean Grandy, radio voice of the Boston Celtics. Very happy to have had him on. Gave us a lot of good insight. And I know I promised Patriots after this, which I'm sure you've all been waiting for very patiently. All you driving around in Smithfield. But 
I do want to touch on one more thing, which I did just tell Jordan about. Didn't realize how ridiculous it was till I brought it up, and that is, of course, um, that Rick Pitino, apparently, you know, former coach of the Boston Celtics, as he's best known for, really, former, you know, former head basketball coach at Louisville. Something happened with him there. I don't remember what. It's nothing important. But something happened with him there, you know. And apparently now he has a podcast, Jordan, the Patino Press. And would you like to hear the intro from the Patino Press? I would like to hear the intro of the Patino Press. It's tip-off time for the Patino Press, starring Hall of Fame basketball coach Rick Patino. You about to get the real inside scoop on the basketball world, from the NBA to who's next on the scene in college hoops. Give it up for two-time national championship coach Rick Patino and Steve Strap. I'd like to welcome everybody to Patino Press. This is uh, something special for me because I'm going to have some guests on that uh, some of the best in the game. And so I want to know who's narrating it because that guy sounds familiar. Oof. Like who? Who's narrate? Who? Why didn't I get? When did you get the line to do the intro with the Patino Press? Like, what did he pay that guy? I have no idea. But two-time <laughs> national championship. Yeah. I know. <laughs> did he mm. buy either of them? Who knows? Yeah, I'm pretty sure one of those got vacated. Yeah, that's a thinking emoji right yeah, there. Yeah, sure, uh, pretty sure a few of those got vacated, Rick. <laughs> so I don't know if you're, if you're allowed to be claiming that you have those. Yeah, it was, that's that's a, that's a fake news right there. <laughs> that's some, that's some, general, yeah, uh, Rick Patino, some genuine fake news. Yeah, Rick, I don't think you actually uh, you actually have those. Hate to say it to you. Hate to tell you. Um, yeah, no, only one. You're a one-time coach. The, the 96 one hasn't been vacated yet, so you're okay there. But, you know. The Kentucky one's good. Louisville one, though. No, that's some fake news, Rick Pitino. But yep. then you see, just to make it even, uh, you know, I don't know how many episodes of this there are. Let me try to figure out how many, how many Pitino presses there are. Uh, how many episodes of Pitino Press? There are a couple. There's yeah. six. There are six episodes. Let's see. He's had two. He did a two-party <laughs> with Billy Donovan. Wow. He did a two-party with Brit. He did. He had Brett Brown on, head coach of the 76ers. Don't know why anybody's. They had. Yeah, he had Jay Byatt. Belisan from ESPN. Mm-hmm. Then he had Jay Wright. Why on earth is any college coach going near Rick Pitino right now? I have no idea. That That's bizarre. You see, that one's bizarre. Like, it's not like Brett Brown's going to get in trouble with the NBA. But why would Jay Wright go anywhere near him? By the way, Jay Wright, my good personal friend who I've spoken to in the past. But <laughs> just, just throw that out there. You know, I, I don't have many things. But, like, why would a, a college coach go near Rick Pitino right now? I I can answer you, but anyway, so he has, he's paying people. And now I don't even know why. Like and he, on the show, he has I don't know if I said it, but he has Terry Rozier on. Even like Terry, like listen, like I, I I don't know what the protocol is, but could he still get in trouble if the NCAA finds anything on him? Like he, sh- I, I'm pretty sure he came up a couple of times when they were looking through like all of Rick Pitino's, you know, his, his naughty business there in Louisville. So don't you mean bribing kids? Yes. In gambling. And by that, I mean actually paying college, which I'm not opposed to. <laughs> but, yeah, he had Terry Rozier on. So let me try to find you guys a Terry Rozier sound. I did it twice. I didn't like the score I got the first time. So I was I was definitely tired. It's a, it's a very tiring drill. It's a great drill to test. Where you told him a little bit when I when I went to Indiana, I talked to Larry a little bit. You know, we just talked, introduced. introduced. Larry just <laughs> worshipped uh, D-Wake <laughs> growing up. But – that's a nice little bit, but yeah. So Rick Pitino, he's doing, he's doing a pot, and they had Terry Rozier, and Rozier talked a lot about like what like his goals are as a Celtic, and he brings up, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he does bring. It's actually something that we talked about with, that I talked about with 
Sean Grandy about Terry Rozier and where his head's at and what he wants to do and how he needs to figure that out. Because obviously Terry Rozier has looked a little displeased with his role on the court. Obviously coming off of, you know last season when he was starting throughout the playoffs and you know the whole scary Terry thing, which also he's getting sued for right now. Yeah, he's getting sued for the scary Terry shirts right now. Because apparently it's not legal for him to be using uh, the mask from Scream on his shirts, uh... and they're coming at him about that. But anyway, so. They asked him, basically, he, he kind of gave, like, a roundabout answer where he, at what on one hand, talked about how, you know, it's not about the money I want to win, but then also said I want to get what's mine, which I assume what's mine means money, mm-hmm. and how he doesn't want to start on a bad team but wants to also get money, which I've said for a long time that Terry Rozier can be the starter on a bad team. So, like, the magic can come calling or something. But, yeah. So, I I, I mean, like, I care about what, what Terry Rozier talked about a lot less than I just care about the fact that Rick Pitino is doing this podcast. Which I honestly had no idea about. I want to explore this more. Let's listen to another one. Okay. Let's listen to some more Pitino. Uh, I wonder if all the intros are like that. The Pitino press? Yeah. See what the Jay Wright intro is like. Now I'm just going to have a bunch of Pitino presses on my, um, on my, on my podcasting app. It's tip-off time okay. for the Pitino press. It's the same intro. Rick Hall of Fame basketball and coach. Being an intramural person, and then obviously uh, working your way up uh, through the Wright has to say. Meal. And he he obviously was a big influence on your life. Uh, you went with him uh, not only Villanova but at UNLV as well. Yeah, but you know what's funny, Rick, uh, and it's good I can every chance I get to clear this up. I try to because I was under Coach Massimino. Everybody thinks I was an assistant on the '85 national championship team, which I was not. I was at Rochester at the time. I actually was the assistant intramural director at University of Rochester. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, I, I'm not going to find anything. Like I said, like, it's just. Uh, apparently I, he was the assistant intramural director yeah, at Rochester in 85. I realize, I realize I don't care about the content of this podcast as yeah. much as I just care about, like, the, the concept of it. Yeah, shout, shout to Rochester. But yeah. Never why, been there. Never, no, but like, yeah, why? Like. Big yeah, city. Isn't Rick Pacino under investigation? Like, isn't the last thing you want to do when you're under investigation is put, like, more stuff out there? Just put more words into, like. Yeah. The world. <laughs> Def, you definitely don't like, want to start a podcast like, when the feds are on, on they're on you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that like, so Jay Wright, how do you get these kids to come? Am I right? So he says to Rozier, Rozier, you were one of my favorite recruits. Uh, um, how'd you get Rozier to come there, Coach Patino? Yes. How'd you get was it just a winning program there in Louisville? I gu- I guess so. Or how'd you get uh, how'd you get Rozier there, coach? So it was the work ethic. You know, it was, it was that combined with the, We just with the, offered him that scholarship and nothing else. Yeah, it was that, that that combined with the strong education they had got down there in Louisville. Hey, Louisville's a nice city. I was there just a few weeks ago for CMAs. But yep. no, but you know what it was? I was down there for CMAs and there was this one guy who was talking and what what's his name? Because I have his email. He's a Rhode Island guy, actually. Let me just find you the the guys that I can't remember the top of my head, but the Jeff Greer, who writes for the athletic. Mm-hmm. I was um, talking to him, and well, I, said I was listening to him. He's doing a speech. He's from he's from here. He's from Rhode Island. Yeah. He's a Warwick native. Oh, he's a Warwick. He is a Warwick native. A Doesn't Warwick. sound like it at all, though. So I was shocked yeah. when I told him that. He's not down from Warwick. Because I told him I go to Rhode Island College, and he said, "Oh, I'm from there." And I was like, "Well, I didn't didn't read that. He he didn't sound like it. He didn't have like any of that like ingrained anger in him." Well, yeah, he's left, so he's he made peace with the world. <laughs> but so I talked to him, and this kid who <laughs> writes who Julie Press from Warwick to ever leave Warwick. And this guy who works at North Carolina State University, who I also met, who I also uh, hoped to have on the show one day. Yeah. But he came up and he said, hey, so one of Patino's former staff members, mm-hmm. he got hired as the head coach at UNC. And I was hoping, you know, maybe I could just, 
you know, could you maybe put me in touch with Patino so I could talk to him and just ask him about this guy and ask him, you know, like, is he a good coach, et cetera, et cetera. And then Jeff Greer, he just went, yeah, you want his phone number? <laughs> and then gave this dude Rick Patino's phone number. Just straight up just whipped out his contact, just gave it to him. I was like, man, I want Rick Patino's phone number. Why didn't you ask for it? I I, I didn't want it because it obviously would be because like I saw that he had it and I just would be like, I want it. And that would, you know, that would I probably wouldn't give it to me. I thought about asking for a Rozier's number, but clearly Rozier's too booked. Yeah, apparently. Too busy going to the Patino press to um, come talk to <laughs> us here at the stadium experience. I don't know what kind of rocky takes Rozier has. So maybe he can't give them to me, but yeah, so that was... I had more Rick Pitino mileage than I thought I did, but yeah, so that, that was that. So Rick tr- Pitino. Trying to get trying to get work writing at the Athletic, not having much luck there, but hey, it happens. Got to keep on the grind. I do have to keep on the grind. You're right. Got to keep on grinding. But yeah, so that's yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why that dude has a podcast. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know who's listening to it. Like on like I don't know who's like waiting every week for the Pitino press. Who's like I got to get my my sits my my basketball takes him this one time one with an asterisk. National champion. There's one with an asterisk. One and then one with an asterisk. Yeah. Time national championship coach. Bad bad NBA coach. <laughs> Did not do a good job with the Celtics. Um, so But he can give you uh, the the scoop on the NBA. He uh, apparently he's got the inside I don't know, like I said, I don't know who's doing the intro. I don't know who he said there's another guy who's on there with him, right? I and think he did. He said it was Rick Pitino and uh, and who else? Who, who's the other guy? Let's let's do a little bit of journalism here. <sighs> do a little bit of a deep dive here on who the other guy on the Pitino. Where's my podcasting app? And who the other guy at the Pitino? I don't care. I don't care enough about it. But yeah, so the Pitino Press. So uh, go, go. You know, once you're done listening to the Stadium Experience podcast, which is uploaded to SoundCloud after the show every week, of course, alongside highlights from the show. After you're done listening to that, maybe. <laughs> Maybe take some time to go listen to the um to the Patino Press. Yeah, you know. Also, listen to the Wicked Smart podcast, which I was a guest on this week with my with my good friend Kenny Doyle, who was on a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Listen to that first, then get to the Patino Press. Uh, then maybe work your way down to the Patino Press. You know, if you do a lot of car rides during the week. You know, there you go. So yeah, you know, he's got to keep busy right now. He's got to keep his mind off of being under a federal investigation. <laughs> And the fact that his career is shattering before his eyes. Yeah. He needs something to kind of keep his mind off of things. <laughs> off the federal indictment, which will surely, surely be found guilty of. <laughs> uh, like I said, when this story broke, I was like, the story's not going to stop giving. Like, I saw nope. it, I was, I was immediately, I was in here, and I was like, nope, like, this story is never going to stop giving us new stuff. And you know what? I didn't expect this. I didn't expect a whole last podcast to come out of it. <laughs> like, it's the last, like, after we get sentenced, is he going to do, like, a tell-all episode? <laughs> Like after you get sentenced to like, like wh- okay, like can you go to jail for bribing college athletes? Uh, can you go to jail for that? Like, I know the NCAA can kind of f him over, but the NCAA can't like you know hold him against his will. I mean, they can fine him. Yeah, they can fine him into oblivion. Uh, it it but depends. Like, it depends on what they can like charge it, with. It can, they can be he can be charged with extortion. Uh, it's not extortion though. If he was giving the kids money. Like, is that illegal? I feel like I should have worked this out months ago, but I didn't. Well, like, could Rick Pitino go to jail? I feel like he would have already. Or well, maybe the investigation is still pending. Maybe there's some loose ends. Yeah. I mean, he could be good. He, well, it's, 
those sort of line charges. Maybe not extortion, but depending on how it works. Yeah, I, I, I imagine. I imagine if you if you've been doing this, he had to make someone be quiet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so let's hope that you that, know like if you uh, get if you get sentenced and we get like a tell all episode. I'm, I'm pretty sure you can get some kind of racketeering charge in there. Oh, probably could be right in jail with yeah six x nine. Yeah, six nine. Him and him and. Is that Rick, even it? It's just six nine. Yeah, six nine and Rick Pitino sharing a cell. It's Rick. Yeah, that's sick. That's wild. <laughs> it's 2018. 2018's not out of juice yeah. yet, my dude. Oh, 2018's boy. not out of juice yet. What a simulation. What a sim. We still got a twelfth of 2018 left. We yeah. got a hot six percent to go. It bribing. They definitely get bribing. <laughs> well, it is. The whole thing is bribing. <laughs> bribing. The whole thing is bribery. It's probably some gambling. You can go to jail for bribery. You can definitely go to jail for this. Yeah. Obviously, the whole thing is bribery. That's the entire point. So yeah, him and six six nine can be sharing a cell there in the federal pen. That's that's crazy. <laughs> they can be out. They can be lifting weights together. Rick Patino and six nine. <laughs> as wild. <laughs> what a time we live in. <laughs> Jesus. Imagine them. They're selling. They can do little face tattoos to each other. <laughs> they can make toilet wine. <laughs> that's a cra- Jake, that's a crazy image. Isn't it? That's crazy. Isn't it? That's a crazy Isn't that's a it? crazy image. Isn't it? I'm glad we talked about this. This has been fruitful. Yeah. I, I am legitimately happy that we brought this up. And then his album got leaked. Did it? Yeah. Oh, I said he needs some money. No, he no, he got leaked. I don't even yo, he's not making music again. Of course he's not. He is going to jail. I just want everyone to. I, I mean, just, hey, just want to make mean, this known. He is going didn't, to didn't, jail. Didn't Kodak Black release like three albums in prison? No, nah, he released like a mixtape before. Oh, okay. Or he might release a mixtape during, but I'm pretty sure he finished it before. How do you make music in prison? I don't know. Do they have like a little recording studio in prison? They might. Maybe all like rickety and like the sound quality is gonna be like bad. They're gonna be like, man, six nine though. He's still in there. He's just doing it for the love of the. Can you make money off of an? Can you collect royalties in prison? Can you make money in prison like off of like outside stuff? Uh, no. No. What happens? Is it going like trust? It uh, depends. We go to the state. Well, 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 will, the st- will the state be funded by Six Nines albums that he's just making for the love of the game? Well, no. Well, the, the, the FBI definitely has an asset freeze on him. So any move, any money attached to his name is just is not moving. So does, maybe does Rick Pitino get a feature on the album? Maybe does he put the album in Rick Pitino's name so Rick Pitino gets the profits and they can split them when they come out of prison? I guess it's Rick Pitino, the Shell Corporation for Six Nine. I, I don't. I don't. Apparently, apparently, like six nine is capable of this because he was racketeering. Apparently, uh, pff, apparently he's a, not above shady business practices. It's man, he was. <laughs> See, I yeah. don't want to look up what he actually did because anything I can come up with when I hear the word racketeering is probably far funnier than what he actually did. Yeah. So I'm, I like don't want to look up what it actually was because that might ruin it for me. Squad full of killers. He was a killer too. So, yeah, he was, yo, he was around some wild boys. That's, 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 that's. He got popped with a Rico. Yeah, he got popped. He got, he went down with the Rico after he fired his old squad. The feds picked him up the next Monday. Jesus. And he's, he is not making music again. He's going to jail. Jail, jail. He is going to jail. How he's much going- of that sentence is he serving? Is he serving the, 20, the full 25 to 30? Oh, he's doing, he's, maybe. You don't think he can get out? No. I don't know. Unless he snitches. 
Why, but I feel like he's the one they want more than anybody, though. I don't, Who's hey, he snitching on? Like, is there, like, is there something know. bigger going on here? There might be. I I, like he's as big Jake, as, it's, 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 the whole situation so confusing. It's so it's generally confusing. So that's that's the um, <laughs> yeah that those are those. I don't know how I don't know how we got to that from Rick Pitino, but yeah. But he's he's not he's going to jail. Go listen to the Pitino press, and we're gonna move on though. <laughs> we're gonna move on to we're not gonna do a break. Yeah, now we're gonna go to a segment I recorded six days ago about the Patriots game. Did you really? No. Okay. No, we'll get wait, wait, wait. only in the present, baby. So obviously yesterday the Patriots say not yesterday, Sunday, the Patriots defeat the Jets, twenty seven to thirteen, coming out of the bye week, and you know, obviously, you know, people are just des people just wanna like sit and be like, see, the Patriots are good again and They're not. I mean, did you watch any of this game? No. I mean, it was just so like I wanted to see them go in there and like blow the Jets out. But I, I can tell you, just the, the fact they beat the Jets by two touchdowns just yeah, says not, this. Yeah, it's just yeah. mad. Which like I'm not like I'm not saying like they're bad because they only won by two touchdowns. Like it's whatever. Like I could also expect like any divisional game to be close on the road, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, like I'm not like angry about this game, but it's just I mean I don't I don't know. I guess like I'm just kind of like pushing my feelings on the team down, kicking the can down the road a little bit, which is good. Like they were able to go on the road and not look terrible. Which they've had trouble with this year, but like, yeah, like this game was tied at halftime. Yep. It was I mean, you say you say that when they go into Kansas City. Yeah, exactly. Like no, like, <laughs> in the, in like the they lost to the Titans, the Lions, and the <laughs> they've lost to the Titans, the Lions, and the Jaguars on the road. Yeah. And like, it, I, it doesn't I, matter who got experience if they go on the road into Kansas City. We, we can talk about that in a little yeah. bit. We can talk about that in a little bit, but just look at this game, and I don't know, people like. The people are trying to make a lot out of this game. Like they want to look and be like, "Oh, Gronk's back." Because Gronk was, like, decent in this game. Yeah, Gronk coming back from his mystery illness. Like, Gronk didn't, I don't know. Like, Gronk had three receptions, 56 yards, and one touchdown, which is not bad. The touchdown was good. The touchdown was, like, a 30-yarder down the seams. It was nice. It was a good play. But then they targeted him seven times. So that's four throws he didn't pick up. Like, he was in single coverage a lot of the game. Jamal Adams was doing really good on him. Drums managed to knock a ball right out of his hand one time. It was wild. Oof. But like they were single covering Gronk, like with his body. Like he went in there with his body, just popped the ball out. Well, that's, yeah, that's what you have to do. But <laughs> so he was in single coverage a lot of time, which now in defense of Gronk, his blocking was really good. He had some excellent blocks in his game. And also, one of the few times you saw them put him in double coverage was on the Edelman touchdown. When Claiborne, which maybe it was like a miscommunication with Claiborne, but nevertheless, Claiborne saw Gronk, came down to help Jamal Adams, and that sprung Edelman free. So it might have been a miscommunication on Claiborne's part, but nevertheless, like Gronk drawing that kind of coverage did help the offense, and Edelman was able to spring free and go for a really nice touchdown. So that there, like, Gronk wasn't bad in this game, but, and I was asked this, you know, yesterday when I was, when I was on with Kenny, he asked me, you know, are you confident in Gronk? And that really depends on what you mean by that question. If you're asking me in terms of health, no. I'm never confident in Gronk. And that's never not been the case, by the way. Like, my lord, like, when have you ever really been fully confident in Gronk in, like, the last four or five years? Uh, ever since he got the robot arm, I haven't been confident in him Exactly. At all. Like, the dude's walking around with cybernetics. Yeah. So. My boy has nano machines in his arm. <laughs> Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. Come on. But you talk about it, and... Then, but it's like, are you confident he's going to be himself? And once again, like, Gronk has not looked like himself all season. Gronk has not been having, you know, a spectacular season. He's been good, but he had, you know, like I said, he, you know, he, he was, obviously he was contemplating retirement all offseason, been dealing with injuries all year. 
even in the preseason. Like, like has Gronk just look at the season? Has Gronk looked like you know Gronk? I mean, it's, I mean, it's twenty eighteen. But now, what I'm asking though, has he looked like you know? Has he looked like you know who he's been in the past? No, no, he hasn't. And you ask me, okay, am I confident in him? Like, do you mean am I confident in Gronk returning to that kind of form? Maybe. Not really. I mean, how how can I, like what? I'm gonna be like, yeah, he's gonna magically get better in. He's gonna magically get healthier in the month of December, because that happens. Guys get healthier, you know, after playing a full season in December. That happens, right, Jordan? No. Exactly. So it's like, now am I confident he can keep up playing the way he's been playing where he has looked slower. He hasn't been as dominant. He hasn't been able to out-muscle guys as much at the point of attack as a receiver as he has in the past. He just hasn't. He hasn't commanded the same amount of attention as he has in the past. He just hasn't. Like, you, I don't see how you can deny that. Or, you know, once again, like, compare Gronk's best plays from this year to Gronk's best plays from the last couple of years. It's not comparable. It's not. So, and then, you, you, and even then coming out of the bye week, you kind of, you expected more. So you didn't get that. And once again, that's fine because you talk about it. I mean, I'm confident he can be good. I'm confident you can keep getting this level of play out of him. And once again, like, you know, 75% of Rob Gronkowski is still, you know, what, probably in the top 20 all time for tight ends. Yeah. You know, if you made a clone of Gronk and you're like, this is just like seven, Gronk at 75%, you know, third form Gronk. Yeah. Third form Gronk, not quite final form Gronk. Like that's still probably, you know. He's still beating up Piccolo, let me tell you. He's still beating up Piccolo. He's taking out... Or Nail. He's still taking out Nail Piccolo. But anyway, so, like, I'm confident in that, but no, like, I, I like, really, anything with Gronk is kind of a luxury at this point. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not going to sit here and take... Now, mind you, the way his production might improve, because the way they use him is probably going to change. You know, you can tell that they're kind of resisting, setting him down the seams a lot. They're resisting really putting him in, like, you know, and in the contact and really resisting kind of putting him in harm's way a lot. And that's smart. They should manage him. Definitely look what happens, but you know, like, yeah, if they're in the playoffs and now, you know, they're willing to send Gronk down the seams three or four times, like they did in the touchdown where he's able to get that. And they didn't do that play at all the rest of the game. Cause you don't want to put him in harm's way. But yeah, like if they're against, you know, Pittsburgh in the divisional round, or they in KC in the AFC championship game. And you know, they're willing to do that. Like, yeah, you'll get more out of Gronk. They, they'll set him up and he'll get him out. But yeah, like, I just, I don't, like, he's not physically the same guy right now. He's not. And I can't act like I'm surprised, like, obviously, you know, all the injuries. And then, yeah, like, the guy, he was talking about retiring all offseason. You know, like, do you want me to tell you that his heart's 100% in? I can't tell you. Like, so. Is your heart 100% in it? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Never is. Uh, that way I don't get hurt. Oof. But, yeah, it's with Talk Gronk. about a king talk about a king but <laughs> this is no place for a king to die but <sighs> r.i.p t'challa that is the thing no like, i can't be 100 percent confident with him right now so that's the thing like i just i can't be 100 percent confident with him and like, i like they're gonna get production he's still a great player it's just like no like he's not playing like the gronk of old right now and i don't Really, no, he just hasn't been explosive. I don't think that's going to just come back in December when it's snowing. And you're playing, like, who... You know, I don't think he's going to suddenly, like, get more explosive in December when you're in Pittsburgh. Like, I, just, I, I don't see how you can think that sort of thing is going to happen. Like, and... 
Like, I just, I can't sit here and tell you that he's just going to suddenly, like, like, yeah, they're going to be in Pittsburgh. They're going to be in Pittsburgh. It's going to be snowing, and suddenly Gronk's going to be like, hey, I'm fully healthy now. Now I'm as explosive as I've been in the past. Like, that, that's not realistic. But anyway, the other thing, and something that, you know, I hate to keep harping on. You know, I really hate to keep harping on this, but the reaction of people to Sony Michelle. Yeah. Who statistically had a very good game. Statistically. Sonny Michelle had yeah. 21 carries for 133 yards and one touchdown. That's production. It's production, but I'm still... Like, all of his games, really, it still feels like Sonny Michelle is just a product of the offense. Like, I still have... Like, really, like, there was... Like, it seems like every time... Like, even there was one run in, like, the second quarter where it looked like Sonny Michelle hesitated in the pocket... Then hit the hole that formed because of that. And I was like, wow, that was a great run by Michelle. Like, that was the first run I've really seen that's really impressed me about Michelle. And then I look up, James Devlin was in front of him, just pulled a guy off and made the hole. And then Sony Michelle got tackled in the open field. And it's just this dude has, it, just, it doesn't feel like Sony Michelle like, is producing, is creating yardage himself. Like, it feels like almost all of his offense all season has been the result of him. Just hitting the holes that are created by the offense. And the Lions been doing a great job. The Patriots have been doing a phenomenal job of run blocking this year. Shaq Mason's been phenomenal. Tooney's been good. I mean, Trent Brown's been a revelation for this team. Like, their run blocking's been great. And to a certain degree, like, it's a credit to Sony Michelle for, you know, just finding the holes and hitting them. Because, you know, he's not, once again, like this, he's not Trent Richardson. He's at least doing it, but also, like, he's not, re like, but like I said, he gets to the second level. He has a safety one-on-one -on -one with him. You're like, oh, boy, like, here we go. And he gets tackled to the ground. Yeah, not now not by the safety. Exactly. But he does. It's just it's like there's, like, no production coming, like, after contact with this guy. And, you know, when... Yeah, if you see a running back and he's not producing anything after contact, like, why well, are you going to credit him or are you going to credit the run blocking? The blocking. Nine, nine times out of ten, you're going to. Like, unless, you know, he's Le'Veon Bell and he's in there and just, like, the way he cuts in the pocket just for some reason, because he's so patient, like everybody wants to say, but he's saying the holes and... Just wait till he comes back next year, Jake. Yeah, next year when he's... Yeah, but... Oof. Freshly fresh. rested, Le'Veon Bell. But... And when somebody overpays him. But yes, yeah, the one hundred percent. When like the Colts throw him sixteen million dollars. Sixteen? <laughs> like something stupid. That is funny. Some stupid amount of money. Sixteen a year. That's what I'm saying. Okay. But no, I'm not saying like sixteen for four. But now you might get eighteen. But anyway, that that would be that You think I'm mad at the Patriots for drafting a running back in the first round? Paying a running back eighteen million dollars. Anyway, so like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I can't sit here. And I feel like I'm validated in that because most other guys they've tried to plug in have also ran effectively. James White has run effectively. Kenyon Barner, when they would use him. Cordell Patterson has been able to run effectively with this team, running upright. Which, mind you, they gave Cordell Patterson a goal line carry in this game on first and goal. Did they? Yes. And it was, I was so mad about that because the horse of a man just ran fully upright into the pile. 
fully upright. Just fully upright. Right <laughs> fully in the middle upright. of the Jets defense. Oh, boy. And I was like, why are you still handing in the ball? <laughs> Sign a third running back. <laughs> he ran fully upright. He ran fully upright. That's hilarious. And I was like, why are, we, why are you still giving him the ball? I thought Michelle was hurt. I was like, is Michelle hurt? Like, why are you doing this? And also, like, Michelle also hasn't been good on the goal line. He hasn't. He hasn't been great on the goal line this year. But it's like, why does this team just refuse to sign a third running back? Like, I know Rex Burkhead is coming back, I guess. But like, even, like, when they had, like, Kenyon Barner, they were like, oh, running back. Nah. We're going to hand it off to Cordale. And there was a quote today from Mike Zimmer, by the way. I believe it was Rappaport who was talking to him. But yep. they just asked him. He said, yeah, they're using uh, they're using Cordale a lot better than we did. It's like, no, they're not. No, they're not. So... I, I don't I like they just they I don't know so anyway like it's just I have a hard time like and obviously you know obviously like I'm beyond being mad about the pick because here we are but uh, people like want to act like people are saying like Sony you're still mad about the pick I'm still irate about the pick yes but I'm saying I'm done talking about it but like there are still <laughs> people out there who are saying like you know Sony Michelle is the key to the offense Ooh. Sony Michelle you know they need, it's like no it's not he's not Sony Michelle or Tom Brady who you got he's a product of the offense. Tony Michelle is fully a product of the offense of the Patriots right now. And, like, they're still not throwing the ball to him. He's, like, he's not generating anything himself. Like, can you think of, like, a Sony Michelle run when Sony Michelle, like, made something happen? Of course not. Like, he juked somebody out. No. He trucked through somebody. No. He's not doing it. He's just running through the hole and then getting tackled by the safety. Yeah, and in, in, in a league full of actually good running backs this year, he's pretty lackluster. Yeah, it's just, and it's like, once again, like, he's, like, he, like, I don't have a problem with Sony Michelle, the player. Like if this, if, if they had just spent what they normally spent on a running back, and this is what they were getting, I'd be completely fine with it because they're getting the production. Like he's getting them up and down the field. It's fine. It's just I want everybody to be realistic about it. And then also because of what they spent on him, I'm also upset about it. Mm. Like, but if this was just like an undrafted guy, like a fifth round pick or just some dude they picked up, yeah, fine. He's hitting the holes and he's getting down. Fine. I don't expect to get some big playmaker. At running back, spending on the cheap, and I don't need that. But when you draft a guy in the first round, yeah, I expect more. Like, I, I expect him to make plays. Who is he, Shaquan Barkley? Come on. No, but I expect, like, more than you were getting out of Kenyon Barner, who they picked up off the street, because you can get running backs off the street and be fine. Ooh. But we're not, do we're not going down that avenue. We're not going Ooh. down that avenue. But... Yeah, so I I don't know. And then, yeah, like the idea that the Patriots need to make their running game the center of their offense is kind of laughable also. Because, yes, like you are dealing with a reduced Tom Brady this year, it feels like. Yeah. It just felt like I talk about that. I mean, it makes sense. They're looking at the Saints and they're like, well, this was working for them. No, but. But they're not the Saints. It's not, though. But anyway, so you look at the Patriots and I've been talking about that. You're dealing with a reduced Tom Brady, but also like, are you going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs? With the Rams, with the Saints, if you're going in there and your idea is, we're going to run the ball, we're going to establish the run. Because guess what, Jordan? By the time you establish the run against one of those teams, it's going to be 21 to 3 and halfway through the second quarter. Yeah. If you're worried about establishing the run. Yeah, you're going to be down 30. Which, like, I get because, like, this Patriots defense sucks. And he keeps them up. But teams who have the run established already. Exactly. Like, they don't need to establish the run. They're just establishing the pass, man. Like, yeah. They're just throwing it. Like, it's. Like, you can't establish the run on those teams. Like I said, you can establish the run. It's like, oh, and we're down by 30. <laughs> but, hey, we got our we got our tough nose. Like, guess what? Like, hard nose, tough tough guy football, not going to work. Sorry. Sorry, everybody's dad. Sorry, every high school football coach who like who has a horse, who has a rass, who has, who's horse 
Jake, it's just, it's just because just because you don't have heart doesn't mean the Patriots can't win with heart. You can have heart and pass the ball is what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it no, you're wrong if you think that Sony Michelle is gonna be the key for the Patriots. Like it, it's silly. You're a silly guy. Don't you mean future Hall of Famer Sony Michelle? Don't you mean future Hall of Famer? Yeah, future future Patriots Ring of Honoree. Oof, I'll take that. I take it. You know when I'm. But anyway, so we're talking about this because obviously the Patriots have had a good run because we never show last week. So kind of my first time getting here. And the Patriots, since last time I've spoken with you, they've gotten an amazing run of luck in terms of teams losing for one thing. With the Chiefs losing once, the Steelers losing once, et cetera, et cetera. Now this Patriots, they're in position where they are. They have the two seed right now, mm. which I think is crucial for this team. Yeah. I think they're going to need the bye. Because <laughs> they won't make it out. <laughs> you know, Especially now with Brady kind of hobbling around a little bit. On that knee with Gronk, you know, talk about Gronk. They need to conserve him as much as possible. Health of this team has not been great. So the bye, especially important for them. And then just to kind of, yeah, get that one less game. But right now they have the two seed. And I guess, what's your confidence in the team maintaining that going forward, Jordan? And how important is it for this team? Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's everything. <laughs> they only they can play well, you three, three playoff games. On the road, we'll have to get to play yeah. three playoff games no matter what. Yeah, well, counting the Super Bowl, right? But two games that yeah. out of the AC, right? Okay. Well, it not like there's any way they play out of the wild card that I'm particularly afraid of. It's just a matter of like, yeah, the team like the attrition of it. <laughs> yeah, this is it's, it's purely you know, the like I'm not like the team. The team's better preserved that two games. Yeah, but I mean, what's your confidence they can hold the two seeds? We talk about this off air a little bit. Uh, not 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 particularly good. Really, see, I, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, they're not. I mean, I think like the Steelers game, like that's gonna be it. Yeah. Like that's gonna be the game for the two seed. Yeah, it it is, and I don't know if they can beat the Steelers, since Ben Roethlisberger forgets how to play quarterback, then remembers how to play quarterback, and then forgets the next week. Exactly. Like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger now. <laughs> since, since Ben Roethlisberger you know, has Alzheimer's. It's, yeah, it sucks because last week I was in here like, <laughs> but it doesn't suck. But, like last week I was in here like, man, like the Steelers, like they're done like playing down to their competition. Wow, that's yeah. what's always gotten them in years past. <laughs> But leave it to the Steelers to lose some stupid game they shouldn't lose. Yep. Losing to the Broncos, who, mind you, are still in playoff contention. <laughs> Believe it or not, the Vance Joseph Broncos with Case Keenum still in playoff contention. Still in play for the wild card. AFC is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Which is a crazy thing. But, yeah, but the Steelers, they lost that game. So that's big for the Patriots. But, I mean, really, I think, I think probably, like, one of the biggest games left in the year, and this is like some bold take, I don't think, but this week, Sunday Night Football, you have the Chargers playing the Steelers. I think that game's huge. Yeah, that's a pretty big game. for a, lot, a for seeding, and then B, kind of like learning what both those teams are. Yeah. So I'm still like, I don't know what the Steelers are. I feel better about them than I had earlier in the year. Like, my opinion is I'm saying, but like, the Chargers, I still have no idea. Like, they could be one of the best teams in the NFL. But see, I don't know. Or could they could have just got lucky. Because they haven't really beaten anybody. That's the thing. Like, their schedule's been just, I mean, what, they played the Cardinals. Oof. The Broncos, the Raiders. Those are really powerhouse teams, The man. Seahawks, the Chargers, the Browns, the Raiders, the 49ers. Like, in this eight-game winning streak, it's like... But then if they can go in there... I'm not saying they, not saying they, they have to beat the Steelers for me to take them seriously. Or they have to beat the Steelers for you to take them seriously. Because if it's, like, a close game and they don't choke... Because you can lose without choking. Yeah. I guess I'll take them seriously. They have to win for you to take them seriously. Like, uh, like what? Or how do you feel about the? Char- or do you already take them seriously? I guess. I do. I think I think they can one hundred percent beat the Steelers. He's like, 
without a doubt, they can beat the Steelers. Well, yeah, if they do, then yeah, then like I'm in. Yeah. Like fine, like yeah, they can beat the Steelers. Like the Chargers, like they're a legit playoff team. Because I like their players, I like their rosters. Because I can't buy into it just with all the years of futility. You know, we talked about that at the beginning of the year, didn't we? Yeah. But they're just a simulation that just keeps going the worst way possible. But now it's not, even though you know Melvin Gordon's out for a couple of weeks with a torn MCL. So, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe things are hitting them at the worst time, but. So that's going to be an important game. But, yeah, I mean, what? And then, you know, the Patriots, they are still in play for the one seed. They're only one. They're not getting the one seed. Well, you see, though. Zero percent chance. I don't think it's because they're only one game behind the Chiefs. They have the tiebreaker on the Chiefs. They just need to have the same record as the Chiefs. They don't need to have a, you know, they don't need to have this. They just need to have a, you have the same record. They still, they do have the tiebreaker. So, we look at it. No, the Patriots, they do have a tougher schedule going forward. You have the Vikings coming in the Gillette. That's this Sunday. That's a hard game. They're going to Miami to play the Dolphins, which me and you have both learned. Yeah, last year. Not to not to <laughs> underestimate. Yeah. <laughs> They're going in the Heinz Field to play the Steelers. And then they play the Bills and the Jets at home. They're fine. I'm not going to worry about that those games. But then the flip side, the Chargers, they played the Raiders. The Ravens, who are in free fall. They play the Chargers, but they play them at Arrowhead. So I feel confident about them there. And then they play the Seahawks and the Raiders. Like, it feels like like the Chargers have one game that they could use, lose, and the Patriots have two games they could lose, and then, you know, just a weird, janky AFC thing. Yeah. So. Where the Bills get their win off. Yeah. Which I've been predicting for years. I mean, listen, yeah, they have three AFC East games to end the season. They still haven't had that weird AFC East game that they lost. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's still it's still in the cards. Yeah, it hasn't been one of those for a while. It's still in the, well, last year, it was at the end of the year, it was a Jay Cutler game. That's true. So like it's still in the cards. The, the god Jay Cutler. Yeah, Jay Jay Cutler came out to to, to banish the Patriots and then to disappear Go into the reality. obscurity he observes. He to, deserves to do reality TV with his wife. Yeah, to be a to be a to be a supporting character on his wife's show. Oh God, what a guy, what a what a legend of a man. But anyway, so I hate Jay Cutler so much. <laughs> After what he did to us last year, man. <laughs> me and you personally. No, I always hated Jay Cutler. That's also true. <laughs> Since he was on the Bears, Jay Cutler couldn't pick up, or couldn't finish what Rex Grossman started. Yeah, he put, he drove that team into the mud. <laughs> Not I me, mean, good Bears team that he thrown he threw away. That was a pretty good Bears team. <laughs> I remember when Josh McCown took it over, and Josh McCown was like the guy for yeah. like five weeks, and Josh McCown is still like profiting off of that. And Josh McCown is still getting jobs over those like six games that he like made. Remember, like, remember how like Josh McCown made Alshon Jeffrey a thing? Yeah. It wasn't even that Jay Cutler made anything like he like he made Alshon Jeffrey a thing. That was wild. Like revived Martellus Bennett's career. Oh man. Anyway, so to continue, Martellus Bennett's still one of my favorite Twitter followers. But talking about that, to talk about the. Chiefs, like the Chiefs have, that was what it was, right? The Chiefs have, le- so it's probably out of, it's probably out of play for the Patriots mm-hmm. to get the one, but it's still there. That's the, thing, that's the thing I was talking about, really, and I was talking about this with Kenny, too, once again, and I keep bringing up Kenny, but talk about this, and everything is obtainable for the Patriots. Anything is obtainable for this team right now, even with the, how bad they've been, because of their own standards. They're certainly not in, like, the one, the, the tier one of teams right now. That tier being, you know, the, the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs. And sorry if you're going to be like, well, they beat the Chiefs. Sorry, I don't care. Yeah, well, that, I do. That's, I, it doesn't well, matter. No, I, I care, but you beat them by three, and you at home. you like, kidding me? I'm not the, counting. The, the way the Chiefs stood up to the Saints, yeah, I'm sorry, Pats. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, anyway. you're not getting that one again. But anyway, so they're tested now. I mean, they might get it, but I'm certainly like I'm like I'm like okay. If the Patriots played any one of those three teams on a neutral field, like that other team is the favorite in my book, right now. Right now they are, but still, like it's not like the pa- like they can win even if they're not the favorite. Like my opinion, tell you it's impossible. So it's obtainable. Also, I could see that them losing in the divisional round to like the Chargers or something. Like I also can't rule that out. So it's like anything's obtainable. But also they could lose in the divisional round to the Texans, who are surging right now for some reason. Because I guess Bill O'Brien's like, ooh, I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> yeah, he, he kicked it up a gear. Now they're on an eight-game winning streak. He's like, okay, it's time to get serious now. Which is wild. <laughs> but he, said, he saw Hugh Jackson, he's like, okay. He's like, Deshaun Jackson, how's your knee feeling? He's like, okay, okay, good. <laughs> start, start. Get a brace. <laughs> Playtime's over. Get your robot knee. Yeah. We're going to give you the Gronk treatment. <laughs> We're going to put stem cells into your knee. Right into the ACL. Bill O'Brien is a leading researcher in the field of stem cell <laughs> science. Just to save his job. Oh, God. But anyway, so. God, he got all the doctors at like Texas A&M working, working on stem U- cell University research. University of Houston. Yeah. Just working overtime. <laughs> Just working overtime. Uh, all the PhD students <laughs> just <laughs> researching in the lab. He's just buying them like pizza to do it or something. Yeah. Just floating them a few bills. True. Floating them like 20 bucks. Like, oh, you got some Domino's. Oh, boy. You got, you got you some cheesy bread. The one with the ham in it. You only get the cheesy bread if he rushes for 50 yards next game. <laughs> if you want to get you the one with jalapenos in it. I know how much you like guys like that one. But anyway, so yes, Bill O'Brien, <laughs> curator of science. Yeah. But so it's like anything's obtainable. Yeah, like they're not the favorite because they're the teams right now. Like I feel like I mean, do you feel the same way? Of course. Of course. Okay. And I don't even think they're going to get the two seed. To be honest, I I think they're going to get the two seed just because like you know, I I, I think they're going to beat the Steelers. If they win that game, I feel like like the Steelers are definitely not getting it. And then like the Chargers can't get it. Yeah. Because they're going to be a wild card team unless they overtake. This, the, unless they overtake the Chiefs, which that would be wild. And like the, the Texans, they have the tiebreaker on. Yeah. So even have the same record as the Texans, so I feel <laughs> fine with that. But the Chargers get in a wild card spot is kind of wild. At, at, like, like, <laughs> the like best 11, wild card team in like NFL history. They're gonna have the second best record in the yeah. AFC until we playing out of the wild, wild card. Because oh, it'll be God. like that year that the uh, that the Cardinals won ten games and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Because the NFC was just so stacked that year. True. So poor, poor Carson Palmer had to. Where is where is Elov right now? This is Elov time. This is Elov time. This is Elov territory. True. Yeah, the ba- the Bengals lost. Uh, they got to be starting Jeff Driscoll because, you know, F. Kaepernick. Yeah. <laughs> just, just yeah, F him. But I guess. Here we going forward with Jeff Driscoll. Tell me what Jeff Driscoll looks like. I know. Try to conjure. Try to give me one fact about Jeff Driscoll other than that he's on the Bengals. His, for, his first name's Jeff. That, that doesn't count. I gave you the name. Can be any other fact about Jeff Driscoll because I, I can't. He plays quarterback. I I I guess I gave you that one. <laughs> like I know he like I knew he was on the team offhand because I'm a loser. Like 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 Andy Dalton but I was immediately like oh Jeff Driscoll's the backup which I just know for some reason but like, I like old Driscoll's from like Red Dead Redemption. He does not have a photo on Wikipedia. 
Red Dead Redemption 2. Is he one of the old Driscoll boys? He could be an old Driscoll boy. He could be an old Driscoll boy. Ooh, Jeff Driscoll. Ooh, we got to go do some do some radio in, in Cincinnati now. Yeah. Got to pull out that sound boom and be like, mm, old Driscoll's. Yeah. But anyway. It's a great game. So he um he does not have a photo on Wikipedia. So he, all right. <laughs> he is a superstar. He was drafted in 2016 out of Louisiana Tech. I thought he was older. Louisiana Tech. He's 6'4", 234 pounds. Okay. So let's see a Jeff, o- Jeff O'Driscoll facts. Hey, this bridge is Jeff O'Driscoll territory. It is. Oh, God. Now every team. Never mind. Anyway, so <laughs> now every team's going to be Arthur Morgan <laughs> to them. They just, they're not, they're not going to do too good. I don't, I don't think the Bengals are going to go on a winning streak with Jeff O'Driscoll. I don't think Jeff O'Driscoll's leading them to the playoffs. going to hey, be honest with you here. You never know. I'm going to go out of my way and say, you know, I haven't beaten Red Dead 2 yet, but I'm assuming that doesn't end with the O'Driscolls coming out on top. Anywho, so I don't think the Patriots are better than any of those three teams. They're not. They're not. They're not better. But, like, I, I can't, like, but also by that same token, like, I can't deny that the Rams could get to the playoffs. They weren't good in the playoffs last year, which I want to chalk up. You know, they had their one time where they sucked and now, like, they're, they're ready for it. But also, you know, like if you want to tell me, like you can't believe they're ready until you see it, I can't hate on that. Like, yeah, that's, I I can't tell you that's irrational. It's not. I mean, no, it's not. Like, it's. <laughs> I'd be like, I think you're being dramatic, but yeah, but it's yeah, fair. fair. Like, I mean, they still haven't. Did they win a game last year? Did they lose in the wild card? Did they lose in the division? They, they lost in the division. Did they have a bye though? I like, believe I, they did. Or no, they didn't. They didn't. And okay, well. Or I, did they? No, no, it was the Eagles and Vikings. They were yeah, one and two. So did they win in the wild card? Like, I, I, you know, either way, you know, they no, they lost in the wild card. Like I said, like, like they still like, you know, yeah, they lost in the wild card. And they were the three seed. Like they were better than that Falcons team last year. But I'm also willing to also you know, feel like a far better team this year. But yeah. either way, like the but the Rams were hot last year, though. They're hot this year. Yeah, no, but if you want to tell me like fine, like they did last year, still have done in the playoffs. Fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I was like the one year they were good. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I'm gonna tell you, like I feel better about them because you know, like they've had their one year. But fine, like dude, if you want to buy into that, fine. I, say, I mean, I mean, then, yeah, you know, it's, like it's fine, but it's a bit of a ridiculous standard. I don't think it's a ridiculous. I don't think it's ridiculous. It's I mean, not I ridiculous, it's, but I think it's, it's believable. Bit. But like, like I said, like by the time yeah. we get to them pay- playing the Patriots, it won't be relevant. Like if they're playing the Patriots, then yeah, they've won two playoff games, and now I'm like, okay, that that's over with. You know, when they go into, you know, the divisional rounds and they, and, they, and they just, like, they hammer the the Cowboys or something. They just, like, 40-piece the Cowboys. Yeah. Or, like, the Seahawks or something. Then, you know, I'm like, fine, that take's done. Retire that one. But still, like, fine. Like, I, I, fine. You want to tell me that? Now, the Chiefs, I'm willing to buy that more. Because in, in defense of, of people who don't like the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes has choked in the two biggest games of his career. Up to this point. <laughs> I, I don't really blame him that much on the Saints game. This, you mean the you mean the you mean the Rams game? Yeah, the three turnovers. Was it the Rams game? Rams, yeah, well, he dropped fifty one. Oh yeah, yeah, that was the Rams. Two biggest games of career against the Patriots, against the Rams. Big turnovers in both those games. Yeah. So, which I'm not like trying to tell you that Patrick Mahomes is a choker, and that I believe that, but I don't know, like if he and like I said, three turnovers. I believe one of them was right at the end of that Rams game. Like I know that I know that they dropped fifty-one and that he threw six touchdowns, but there have been people coming out saying that wasn't a good game. Like there's been like a school of thought about that. <laughs> a school of thought. No, but there has been that. Yeah, like it was like he like he threw a bunch of yards, but like when it mattered, he didn't do well, and that's fair. I mean, like 
if Roma or somebody did that, but they still lost because of the turnovers, and people would be like, oh, it's still a great game, though. You know, somebody who was like a, like a career choker did that. If Ben Roethlisberger did that, I'd be giving him a ton of crap. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, and I'm not doing that to Pat Mahomes because that's unfair because this is his first year as a starter and what he's doing is incredibly impressive. But, you know, like you get to the playoffs, like doesn't matter how much credit I'm giving you for it. Which is all I'm going to say. I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah, like it is an Andy Reid team. Those aren't known to choke. I'm willing to give them benefit of the doubt because they've changed the quarterback, but like I, I can't tell you it's not going to happen. Once again, like I'd still pick them as a favorite, especially at Arrowhead. My God, are you kidding me? But yeah, like if you want to tell, like if you want to tell me, like you know, well the Patriots, like they have the playoff experience. Fine, like you're right. Like I, I can't, you know, two of the three teams we're talking about have next to none. Yeah, at least in terms of their quarterback, and then you know Andy Reid has a ton, but you know that it's not good. It's not, it's not a, you know, Andy Reid does not have a pristine record in the playoffs, and yet will probably make the Hall of Fame. Think about that. Andy Reid's gonna be in the Hall of Fame probably. But anyway, but then Damn. I can't give you that with the Saints though. Will Will he be there before Vinny T? I hope not. If there's a god in this world, but <laughs> but then I can't give you that on the Saints because I don't know if you agree with me on this or not. But Sean Payton and Drew Brees have plenty of playoff experience. Of course. So I, I can't give you that with them. Like, that's, like, the number one thing the Patriots have going for them right oh, now. Oh, no, the Saints, Saints are on the run. And that's the thing. Like, that, like <laughs> that's the number one thing I can give you with the Patriots is that the Patriots have the roster might not be as good. They might all be underperforming. But, hey, you know, the coach and the quarterback, they have more playoff experience than literally anybody. Yes. You still have that. I put stock in that. That's valuable. But guess what? This other Saints team that's far superior to you. And every in every conceivable regard. They have some of that too. Not as much. <laughs> they should have more. They, they have sh- enough. They have but they have enough where I'm not like worried that they're gonna be choking in like the divisional round, yes. Like when they're playing against like when they're playing against like <laughs> the, the Cowboys. Bears. Like I'm not yeah, just everybody everybody plays the Cowboys in the playoffs. Basically. Everybody's just every team just plays the Cowboys. All five teams. They don't have a round robin <laughs> all playing the Cowboys. And whoever beats the Cowboys up the most gets to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's how they're deciding things in the NFC. That's how they that's how they're deciding things. That's fair. Whoever has the wide widest margin of victory on like or on like the Seahawks or something. Ooh, how the hell are the Seahawks six and five? Russell Wilson. I thought that team was going to be so bad. <laughs> Russell Wilson. It is only off to the will of Russell Wilson. He, Russell Wilson might be the best quarterback in the NFL. He's, and he's, we just don't talk about it. He's one of them. Let me tell you. <laughs> he's in the top five Man. For, this, for this century. We've talked about that. You put Russell Wilson on like... You put Russell Wilson on the Chiefs. Chiefs are undefeated. They're, they are not, they're not lose a game. Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson in the biggest game of his career choked as well, though. So... I'm choking. Uh, uh, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Eh. Tell me Russell Wilson didn't choke in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Tell me he didn't. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. By throwing an interception right to a guy in the end zone when you're down by four with a minute left and you have a timeout and you're on second down. I mean, they should have ran the ball anyway. Doesn't matter. Still threw the pick. Still could have thrown it out. Uh, could have thrown it out the back. Why uh, didn't he? That's choking. That is choking. That is choking. How is that not choking? How is that not choking? How is that? Why did he check down and do a run? Because Pete Carroll called the pass. Hey, you check down to the run. Uh, you're, you're hosting the Kids' Choice Awards, man. You can uh, check into a run. 
don't know, it's man. It's a joke. How is it not I a joke? I don't know, Jake. How is it not a joke? How I don't is it not know. a joke? We have to go into a review board for that. I don't, I'm telling you right now, I don't see how throwing a... I don't see how throwing... It, does, it doesn't matter because it just should have ran. I think that's, that's the... That that's, does, it completely matters. That's the operating I, narrative. I disagree. I think that the decision's fine. I've, I've Since that happened, I've thrown the onus on Russell Wilson for that. And I love Russell Wilson. But since that, since that happened, not to go down to 2014, not to go down to Super Bowl 49 wormhole, but... Since that game happened, I put the onus on Russell Wilson because it was a fine decision. Mm. It's a fine decision mm. to run once on second and goal mm. from the two when you have the time because you still have time to do No, it's fine to pass mm. the ball once. It is. It's a fine decision. It's mm. fine. Nothing wrong with passing on the goal line. Is there? Oh, excuse me. It's just passing on the goal line. No, it's dumb. You see, when you have your, when you have your quarterback, you should be able to expect him to know not to throw the ball directly to a guy and mind you Malcolm Butler made Malcolm Butler. the way Malcolm Butler broke in that ball still like is, is incredible yeah like he came out of no he's on like the other side of the end zone but anyway not to go down and now he's on the Titans but but I can, I, that's different though Russell Wilson's been through it the last yeah, four you're years right. he he's redeemed himself ah! by carrying that Seahawks team yeah, to the playoff that, that last the last three years <laughs> he put that team on his back he's like alright defense time for you guys to take a break hop on guys <laughs> But yeah, so I, I I mean like in defense, Russell Wilson also choked in the biggest game. Really, everybody's a choker. Yeah. Really, everybody chokes. Every even Brady choked in the Super Bowl last year. True. Even Brady, you know, fumbled on a sack straight on when they were down by seven with like time by Derek Barnett, which nobody talks about. Nobody talks about. Nobody talks about it at all. You know, Brady, Brady, you know, literally didn't he didn't come from the back. He didn't tomba Ali him. No, 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 no. He just. Sacked you straight on from the front, and you just dropped the ball. Oh, well, everybody's a choker. Really, everybody's a choker. So maybe nobody's a choker. Yeah, every, every, everyone's choked. So, um, not Andrew Luck. Has he even been to the playoffs? He has. Remember we made the AFC Championship game that one year? No. Remember, like, suddenly, like... What the, year was that? That 2012? was in, uh, 2014, actually. Was it? Yeah, it was before the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. And that was when, uh, then the Colts were the ones who were like, hey, these balls are feeling a little squishy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, they also lost. Yeah, they by, also like, lost by, like, 30 points. And, like, LeGarrette Blunt had four touchdowns. Yeah. And it was it was crazy. Yeah. That game was wild. That game was, that game was wild. That but, Patriots team was stacked. That team was that. That is the best Patriots team of all time. I contend that. I contend that. <laughs> that team was ridiculous. I, I I am the biggest fan of the 2014 Patriots. I am so into that team. With like, you had like young Jamie Collins, young Hightower, young Chandler Jones. You had, you had Malcolm Butler. You didn't even know it. You had Darrell Revis. You had like young McCordy. Oh my God, that team was. You had young Chung. Yeah. You had Gronk. You had Edelman. You had Amendola. You had. Yeah, he had, he had LaFell. That's that's gonna be a legacy team in, in the Madden very soon. They stopped doing those. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of sucks. They did bring back like the All Madden team this year though, which I enjoy. They uh, did bring back like the Hall of Famer team, which I which I missed. I, I I like the I like the legacy teams. Oh, I do too. I love the legacy teams. Love them in two K. Two K. Two K. If anything, they give you every team you could conceivably want. Yeah. Like I can play as like Sean Bradley. Like thanks. <laughs> you can though. You can play as like like the 04 Mavericks are a legacy team for some reason. You got like Jason Kidd, Dirk, and Sean Bradley. Oof. It's 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 I'm like I'm like I'm happy this team is here. So anyway, so Sean Bradley, I think he might have a ring. But anyway. So the last piece of news. Any more thoughts on the NFL? No. No. So last piece of news coming out today, or coming out last night from um 
from our good, good friend and, you know, holder of all the cards, the non-choker, yeah. David Price, yeah. announced yesterday, announced mm-hmm. yesterday on Twitter that he is starting a Twitch and that his Twitch handle will be, if I can find it, if I can find Astro's dad's uh, Twitter. His Twitch is Slim Duncan. One four two four. So Slim Duncan one two one four one four two four. So, um, I think that's a terrible idea for one thing. Yeah. I don't think David Price is gonna be able to survive a Twitch chat. No. Like David Price can like, and I and he did actually play, but like David Price, from like a mental perspective, could, could barely handle being like asked questions about his own performance. I think he's gonna handle a Twitch chat. What do you think is gonna happen when like 4chan raids David Price's Twitch or something? Like David Price got mad at people. I mean, I don't think I don't even think he needs to. Just R slash LA is gonna pull up. What the entire the entire Dodgers fan base is gonna. Yeah, that's gonna be it for him. The like, enti- does it? The entire city of Los Angeles. Like, I I don't I don't feel yeah I don't I don't I don't I I love that's happening. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love that it's happening. And maybe I'll go on there and, you know, maybe 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 talk to David Price on, on Twitch. Get him to come on the show, maybe. Get the Professor Elm David Price collab. I'll host him. Yeah. Maybe I'll hit some squads with Price. Maybe we can do some Minecraft with David Price. Maybe. Hop on some crap. Get him to do a... <laughs> oh, my God. Can we shiny hunt with David Price? Maybe. Get the Yeah, get the Professor underscore Elm 5 stream started again. Maybe. Maybe. With our good old so yeah, David Price starting a Twitch. I don't really have many takes on that. I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I don't have takes either. Um, but I just thought it was important to mention because it's significant news in my eyes. Yeah. I think it's significant news. Yeah. So we're gonna see how that goes. I guess he was doing it like in the season. Like, can you? I hope this like I hope he like is doing it like in season. Like they start doing bad. Like David Price is on Twitch. Everybody gets to get him. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm lining up my David Price Twitch takes for when they become relevant. So anyway, though, with all that. With all that out of the way. Yep. You've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. Jordan Moment's been with, been with me here for all the things we've done in the present. Also, once again, very big thank you to Sean Grandy for joining me on the show earlier on the episode. Had a great time talking to him. Hope to get some more guests, trying to expand my guest repertoire. But anyway, thank you everybody for listening. You've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. We'll be back next week, Wednesday, from 4 to 6 p.m. And that will not be the last episode of the semester either, Jordan. I'm going to keep going until I go away. Wow. We don't, we don't stop when school stops here. Oof. We do not stop. I can't stop during the playoffs. Playoffs coming up, so that'll be happening. And I will see you all next time. And have a lovely rest of your week. <laughs>